it's necessary to see youth participation not as a burden, but rather as an opportunity. Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Alexander. I work at the UN Library and Archives Geneva, and this is our podcast, The Next Page, designed to advance the conversation on multilateralism. In this episode, we continue our Knowledge Rising series, which is here to highlight the work of young people in global issues. We often hear about working together for our future, but can we bring this spirit to working also for our present? Our guest today is Alicia Joho, and she poses this question and explores why it's important. She's a student studying a dual master's degree in international relations, human rights and humanitarian action at the London School of Economics and Sciences Po. She's also a former Swiss youth delegate to the United Nations and now engaged as the communications director at STIA, the student think tank for Europe-Asia relations. And she just began her internship at the UN in the gender unit of the executive office of the secretary general. Today, Alicia shares why multilateralism matters to her as a young person and the need to continue working on genuinely inclusive participation of young people in multilateral efforts. We also look at diversity in youth voice and why it's really needed today and some exciting ways that young people are building on multilateralism by making connections and community from the ground up. So much to think about. Hope you enjoy this conversation. everyone and welcome to the podcast, Alicia. It's great to have you here. Hi, Natalie. Thanks you so much for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. So you're a student, a former Swiss youth delegate to the UN, currently also now communications director at STEER, which is the student think tank for Europe-Asia relations, and just started an internship at the UN headquarters in New York. So basically not at all busy. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you come to dedicate your study and now your work to multilateralism? Um, so I'm really sh- excited to share a bit more about my views on youth multilateralism here. Um, I've always been interested in international relations, which is why I decided to focus my studies on these subjects as well. Um, and besides, youth participation is a topic very close to my heart. I've been engaged as the president of the student unit at my high school and later participated in the Swiss Federal Youth Session and the Youth Parliament of my region, which are both initiatives to engage young people in Swiss politics. And I've then started my international journey in the multilateral field with my role as Swiss Youth Delegate to the UN, as you mentioned, where I had the chance to represent the Swiss youth at the 74th UN General Assembly. And there I met other young and engaged people from all across the world who believed in the power and importance of multilateralism, just like I do. And later, I got to participate at the Model Asia Europe meeting, in short, ASEM, which is an initiative led by the Asia Europe Foundation, bringing together young people from more than 50 countries um, with the aim of collectively addressing global challenges. And the Model ASEM broadened my network across Eurasia and actually led to another great initiative, which you've mentioned already, which is the Student Think Tank for Europe-Asian Relations, STEER. Um, it was founded by uh, some month ago by someone I met at Model ASEM, 
And when I saw that they were looking for board members, I instantaneously applied <laughs> just because the, the vision and the mission of STEER and its connection to multilateralism are perfectly aligned with my interest and also with my expertise. And um, yeah, when we look a little bit about the issues that are of particular interest to me, I definitely highlight three of them. So that would be equality, peace and sustainability. Um, topics which are also very close to, UN, to the UN's main goals and achievements. So the topic of equality in general and gender equality more specifically is something which I have been focusing on during my academic path. And I know that much has been done in the area, but there's still a long way to go in ensuring that everyone can live up to their full potential. So that's why I'm also really excited to have started an internship at the Executive Office of the Secretary General in the gender unit just recently, as you mentioned. So that was 10 days ago. And as, I, as you said, I'm quite busy at the moment, but I'm super happy to be here. And then the second thing for me, uh, which is super important, is peace, which is for me also the main goal of multilateralism. That's why I, I bring it up here. That's my, the close connection I see between peace and multilateralism. And there I also um, think it's important to focus on the inclusion of marginalized groups, which is essential to re reach sustainable and long-lasting peace. And third, um, sustainability. I mean, this has recently been focused, uh, has been gaining a lot of focus thanks to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And I think, and also that's something which a lot of young people say, is that sustainability must be a top priority on every government's agenda in all fields of action. So, yeah. Knowing that these are some key areas that you, you are focusing on, I guess it already is a reflection of how rich and how complex multilateralism is. We, we are working together to cover a lot, of, a lot of global issues and there's so much history behind the development of multilateralism. But as a student now, as a young person today working in this field, what does multilateralism mean to you? So for me, multilateralism is a big and very complex issue, to be very honest with you. It's so hard to grasp. I mean, I know one could say it's just like sticking to the very general definition of multilateralism being the cooperation of two or more states. But for me, it's much more than that. And it's something we encounter on a daily basis, actually. It's not just diplomacy, it's economics, it's politics, it's society. So also... I think multilateralism doesn't have a fixed format, really. When I mean, when the League of Nations was founded, multilateralism definitely had another meaning than what I understand of it today. So multilateralism for me is both an ideology and a tool. I think it's a, an ideology because it highlights the international will to cooperate, coordinate and prosper. And it's inclusive because it allows all stakeholders to participate in decision making or, let's say, at least in theory. And multilateralism also serves as a tool to tackle global issues um, together, be it the climate crisis, migration or the current pandemic. I think we all know that these challenges transcend borders and cannot be solved by states individually. So for me, the UN is the true embodiment of multilateralism and we can see the UN's impact everywhere. 
And to maybe add one last point to multilateralism, I think what, what propels me to be part of it is actually exa exactly this changing environment. Because, I mean, change can be very intimidating, but also change means that you have the possibility to shape it uh, to, and to participate and to make the world more equal, peaceful and more sustainable. So that's why I think multilateralism is big and complex, but also it's super important and it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, you make a really good point about it being something evolving and living, and we're actually living through the evolution of multilateralism right now. Let's look a little bit, uh, as you mentioned, you were a Swiss, Swiss youth delegate to the UN. Um, could you tell us a bit more about this delegate program? What did you learn, really, about you know working through this program and the practical reality of, of multilateral diplomacy in action? Um, so there are many ways uh, and forms of youth participation at the UN, and one of them is the UN Youth Delegate Program. Through this program, young people are included as youth delegates in a country, country's official delegation um, to different commissions of the UN, just to give a brief overview. So, for example, uh, youth delegates can participate at the UNGA, just as I did, at the High Level Political Forum, at the Commission of Social Development, or at the Commission on the Status of Women. And there are actually much more youth delegates which cover different issues and different aspects. But it's important to highlight that not, not all countries have a youth delegate program, and it's the responsibility of member states to establish it. I think something which I really like to highlight in this in this discussion about the youth youth target program is that the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs actually has uh, established an excellent guide to the UN Youth Target Program which explains not only the functioning of the mandate and the goals, but also it explains like in practical examples how um, we can establish a youth delegate program in, in a country which doesn't have one already, which I think is great. For example, I know that um, one youth delegate from South Korea, which I met at the UN General Assembly, she was the first one and she actually lobbied <laughs> all the institutions in South Korea so that, so that she could participate in the program and she also did like she was collecting funds etc by herself so that's for me that's a really great example of, of youth participation really pushing for um, yeah more inclusivity and so youth delegate programs vary from country to country and in my case um, being the youth delegate of Switzerland um, the mandate has two main objectives so one is representing Swiss youth at the UN, and then the other one is bringing the UN closer to Swiss youth. And it's like the program is coordinated by the Swiss National Youth Council um, and the Swiss Federal Department of Foreign Affairs. So the Youth Council is more taking care of the things which happen nationally, and the Federal Department of Foreign Affairs is, is looking for all the things um, which happen on an international um, basis. So, um, as I said, I was able to participate at the UN General Assembly in New York, that was in 2019, um, in the third committee. And I had actually had the, the chance to hold a speech in front of all member states, highlighting the importance of access to education and work for young people. And to be very honest with you, I was super nervous <laughs> because it was actually the first youth delegate speaking at the third committee in that session. So, um, yeah, there was <laughs> I was a bit stressed, <laughs> but I was uh, an absolutely amazing experience and I got wonderful feedback. And it was exciting to hear about so, uh, from so many other delegates from other countries approaching me and telling me that they find it so important that young people are actually here and are actually um, yeah taken into account. 
Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and the other angle of the Swiss Youth Allegro program is the, to bring the UN closer to Swiss youth, which is also something which is super important to me because, I mean, you can't represent Swiss youth at the UN without actually knowing what they want. And that's why we organize workshops and school visits and we discuss with them about multilateralism, but we mostly also wanted to listen to the youth and hear what they want from the multilateral system. I, I can imagine it must have been quite an experience to be speaking in front of member states and delegates. Can we expand a little bit more on that then? Do you think these kinds of opportunities, these posts as youth delegates, can really bring about genuine change in terms of youth participation in multilateralism? And, and where can we grow and expand in developing this? That's actually a great, great question. So for me, the UN Youth Lager Program is definitely one piece of the puzzle, but a really, really small one. And I mean, youth needs to be included and involved in every single decision-making process, in my opinion. This doesn't only include topics aiming at youth directly, and that's super important to highlight, but it's actually in every in every in every single context. For me, it's crucial to actively integrate young people in like multilateral negotiations, peace-building processes, and sustainability agendas, but also like in topics such as the labor market, environmental issues, non-discrimination, humanitarian affairs, etc., etc. So only through the actual inclusion of young people we can prepare the multilateral system for our future. So it's not about including the young people only, but it's also, I think, it's super important for the multilateral system to prepare um, for the future, and that can be done by including young people. And I think it's also something which I wanted to highlight is that it's not only about listening to young people, but it's also really about taking them seriously and collaborating with them. Listening isn't enough. And I believe that the COVID pandemic has shown many weaknesses in this system, both on the national and the international level, um, and that young people are still not sufficiently taken into account when deciding on policies and priorities and political agendas. Really interesting. And I think that you make a, a really good point about how COVID has perhaps highlighted some some gaps in youth participation, especially in multilateralism, but even in national participation. Um, so what are your ideas then for genuine space for youth participation, but also contribution in multilateralism, but also in organizations in the private sector and civil society, in basically many places around, you know, in, in our daily life and in our daily work, that's not just kind of like a token space, like, you know, this is a youth program or, uh, you know, even a youth delegate, which is fantastic, but how do we make it more sustainable? So for me, this is one of the most important questions, but also like the biggest challenge we have to tackle uh, in the field of youth participation. Um, as I said, it's not enough to just ask one young person about their opinion, just for example, as in the youth delegate program, but youth participation really needs to be multi-level, inclusive, and on an institutionalized basis. So I think it needs to be um, on all levels of society, meaning that it's not enough to engage young people in one organization, in one committee, or in one subject. Um, so it needs to be found in the private sector, in the public sector, national level, regional level, local level. And second, I think it needs to be, youth participation must be inclusive, saying that um, it should not only include like university students, um, people which have a privileged socioeconomical background, but real youth participation includes every young person. So 
only by including um, diff only by by including all young people, we can actually depict um, different opinions and values. And I know that that's a super difficult task because, like, um, young people from marginalized groups often face obstacles to their participation. And honestly, there I see the role of governments and institutions to analyze such obstacles and remove them. Um, and I think in that way, we can really portray the diversity of young voices, which for me is one of the most valuable things uh, we can think of. And last, I think youth participation needs to be institutionalized. It's not acceptable to make young particip youth participation depending on like the will, the will of individuals, the will of someone who is a fan of youth participation. Um, rather, youth participation must be long-term and sustained. Um, and it's also necessary to see youth participation not as a burden, but rather as an opportunity. So I've experienced many situations uh, where, where I felt like a token, even though I had the chance to participate in high-level events. So people found it great that a young person was there. But as soon as I wanted to say something, <laughs> I realized that people were not actually interested in what I had to say. So institutionalizing young youth participation is important. But we also need to ensure that the process doesn't just stop there. Yeah. 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 And this leads on to something else I wanted to ask you, and that is, you know, there are a lot of programs and conferences, events for youth, which I, I personally think are great and, and quite critical. But how do we then make more inclusive spaces where young people, the youth, as well as people of all ages are working together? I guess it kind of highlights what you were saying, that it has to be institutionalized, that we have diversity at the table. So um, I think you, you're highlighting a fundamental issue here. I mean, it's great to see that we have more and more youth programs, conferences, events, etc., etc., and giving the youth a seat at the table per se is great, and it's also great to create safe spaces for young people. But we shouldn't just allow youth to sit at their own table. Mm. <laughs> so youth, pe young people need to participate in all formats that include people from different ages and backgrounds. Um, just we as we're working to include women in every single program, we also need to include youth. Um, and I think young people are often considered not to have enough experience to discuss with senior diplomats and leaders, but I believe that our strength lies exactly there. We, have, we share different viewpoints and we have different visions for the future. So I'm not saying that experience is not valuable, but if we build our systems only around the length of someone's experience or CV, we will actually never be able to reach an inclusive system. And inclusive spaces where all people from all ages are working together um, are the way forward, in my opinion. So, and apart from um, like programs that actually include young people in multilateralism, I think it's also important to raise awareness um, about multilateralism among youth, because that's something which I've seen um, in my recent work. So that's one of the main obstacles in the participation of young people in multilateralism is that they actually do not know in which ways they can already participate in multilateralism. It's really true, I think. And I think something that young people definitely, but I think people everywhere are wondering, how can we contribute to multilateralism? Is this part of your, your kind of goal as you move forward to, to try and bridge that gap between this kind of participation and, and helping people to understand how they can? Yeah, definitely. I think that what that was part of my my past experiences already, like as a youth delegate. Um, but it's also something which I want to go, go forward with, because I think personally, I believe that the multilateral system is the way we have to to 
to go forward. I don't see another option. Like I don't want to go back to every state pursuing its individual interest. That's really something I I think we have all learned that it's not a, not going to end well. So for me, I really see um, myself in a position where, as I have gathered experience also like behind the scenes experience of multilateralism i really want to share that and for now I, i've done that in the in the youth field like with young people but i really would i would really be interested in also sharing this in a more um yeah global global sphere where that i can really show people that multilateralism isn't just something which which costs money and is not efficient but it's actually doing a lot and i think People often highlight the bad things happening, mm. <laughs> and the the, the inefficient like the, the inefficiencies of of international institutions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but they don't see what actually happens behind the scenes, and that there's so many important and crucial and vital things which are which are based on multilateralism. I I do want to ask you about your future endeavors very soon, but there was one thing that you mentioned that I thought was really important, and that is diversity of youth voice, um, just as we've seen over time with women's equality um, and gender equality, that it's not a one-way route. We Intersectionality is, is super important. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about diversity in youth voice? Um, because I guess we, we often say the word you know, young people, the youth, we need to get the youth involved. Um, what are your thoughts on this? How can we support more diversity in, in what this means? That's super interesting that you say that and you do, that you compare with intersectional feminism because I'm, I'm really, I'm a strong believer of, of intersectional feminism and I'm really also learning every day mm. on how to make spaces more inclusive, not just like on the paper, but in reality. So I think it's, it's, super similar to feminism it's just maybe some some years behind but i i I hope and i I believe that this is a process which is also happening that we not actually are not actually essentializing the voice of young people because i mean of course there are things which are especially pressing for the youth Uh, for example we've seen that the fridays for future movement mobilized many young people because they found their future threatened um, by the non-implementation of the paris agreement and i think that's something which we 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 really can see so it's not that i'm saying this is not happening but still we need to listen to other voices and inclusion is not about listening to the people who are saying the things we actually want to hear but it's just listening to everyone and we cannot represent the billions of young people across the world in just one voice or opinion just as we can't do the same with women and um and so in practice i think this means a lot of work i mean just just on the level of youth delegate for example um we were facing this challenge every day like how can you how can you actually represent the youth, or like in my case, the Swiss youth, but more generally the youth. Um, so I mean, I tried to talk to youth organizations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as I, as I mentioned, but it was it was a tricky challenge. And and I remember one one youth delegate, he was actually from Bulgaria, Bulgaria, and he was he was telling me the exact same struggle, and he was really he was worried that he cannot. He, he was worried in his role as youth delegate that he's not like 
um, really representing young voices. So what he did is he actually organized a large-scale online survey, and it had so many thousand participants where young people could write down everything they're worrying about and rate it, to, rate it according to their importance. And I, th I thought that was super interesting because um, in the one hand, he, he collected every single opinion, but then he could still um, abstract the results and take conclusions based on them because we still, if we want to mobilize and advocate for young, young people and young voices, we still have to find common ground somehow. Wow, that's a really cool example of, I guess, inclusivity in action, inclusion in action. Thanks for sharing. Looking forward then, there's still quite a bit of work to do. <laughs> um, the work continues. Definitely. Um, but looking at your own work, you're now serving as communications director at STEER. Can you tell us a bit more about this think tank? What is its mission? So STEER, as you said, is the student think tank for Europe-Asia relations, and it's a newly founded youth think tank. So our vision is mainly to serve as the first um, institute for students and young professionals in Europe and Asia, and to provide a bridge between the two countries, strengthening multilateral cooperation and international prosperity. And uh, we're generally wanting to maximize the no number of young voices in the Asia-Europe space. So uh, STEER pub mainly publishes policy publications, which provide a platform uh, for discussions of, of, of various topics. We decided not to focus on a spe specific policy subject in order to enable youth from all backgrounds to participate. So um, inclusivity there as well is key to meaningful youth participation. And we also wanted to build a diverse community of youth interested in Asia-Europe relations. Um, and we're not just focusing on a certain country or region. And so as long as you're interested in Asia-Europe relations, no matter where you're from, you're very welcome to participate. Um, we're focusing on like shared interests rather than shared backgrounds. And we want to use the power of <laughs> community-led learning to bring together um, young people. And actually, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> we just received um, almost 200 applications from every corner around the globe, uh, which is a pretty amazing accomplishment for such a young organization. So we were recruiting for new team members. That's it's really great. And um, yeah, and lastly, we just want to strengthen a mutual understanding um, between Asia and Europe. And I think that's something which is also really close to my heart. Like the pandemic has exposed uh, difficulties and actually exaggerated them um, in the last year. For example, I found it yeah, very touching how several people have actually approached us as STEER and asked whether we could work on Asian stereotypes and Asian hate connected to the pandemic. So I think our role there is actually raising awareness about such issues and fostering understanding, which is the first step, in my opinion, to, to tackle such issues. It, it really seems to have a unique goal in terms of multilateralism. What opportunities do you see for these new movements like STEER in support of multilateralism? So I think multilateralism is often seen as a top-down approach and super mm. non-inclusive, <laughs> Actually, even though actually it is or it should be the opposite. So 
For me, um, multilateralism involves everyone and everything. And I think, therefore, initiatives such as STEER are excellent examples of like this evolving multilateralism, which we're often talking about. So we're trying to connect bottom-up with top-down approaches um, by connecting government officials and senior leaders with young people who might not have a large experience in international relations. And second, um, we're, as an organization, we're, uh, we're formed by young people, for young people, and we're really trying to bring new perspectives um, to multilateral dis discussions. And we really want to help shape multilateral relations, but not only in the future, but also in the present. I think that's also something which I hear often in the rhetoric that we're talking about shaping the future. And that's definitely some one, one important aspect because the youth in the end is the future. But then also we want to participate today because the future is always we can so, something we can always push, <laughs> push, mm -hmm. push back and say, ah, oh, it's it's not today. It's maybe maybe tomorrow. So being being there to to forge the future but also be here and, and contribute to the present. It's a really cool idea. You mentioned something called community-led learning as being the goal of STEER. Could you share a little bit about what that, that means in, in practice? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think for us, it's really that we're also young people and we're also learning <laughs> so for, so so we founded it by um, like young people founded it but we are planning to run like cultural workshop annual conferences and digital libraries for everyone who's interested but we're, we don't want to just um offer an opportunity to like to learn ex like to hear from someone lecture because i think we've we, we've heard that a lot it's really about um, learning through opportunities and learning through a community which is super diverse um, so we have received applications for the team from so many different countries and i think that's really the, the strength of steer as well is that it's it's so broad and it, it brings along so many different cultures and people interested in different in different things and different backgrounds we have I, I personally, I expected in the beginning that there's going to be only people interested in international relations, but there's so much more. There are people studying so many, so many different things. And I think that's for me very the, like, like the community based and the community led learning that we can um, we can actually cherish how diverse we are as a community and then we can learn from each other. That's really incredible. If people would like to know more about STEER, can can we provide for them in the show notes the, the website and, and where to go to find out more and perhaps even yeah, participate? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can definitely check out our website. Um, we are normally looking for writers who want to um, publish art, short articles on our website or also in our journal, which we should uh, be published at the end of the year. And we're also organizing a conference where we're looking for young participants. Um, so you're most welcome to to yeah take part in it. Great. So we'll make sure we have the links in, in the show notes. Thanks so much, Alicia. I wish you all the best as you move forward in all of this this great work. Is there, if there's anything you would want our audience to remember from our conversation today and move forward with, what would it be? <laughs> so I think we're able to cover many aspects which are important for me uh, covering youth participation, but I just cannot stress enough um, that I encourage every young person to find a way of actually participating and changing the world we live in. It's our future and it's also the present we live in that we're creating. So uh, everyone should be part of the process. It's <laughs> a great way to end. Thank you so much. All the best. Good luck and we hope to see you soon. 
Thank you so much for taking your time, Natalie. It was great to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Alicia Joho here in conversation as part of our Knowledge Rising series. I hope this was insightful for you. You can find the links mentioned by Alicia in the show notes. And if you liked this episode and would like to leave us a comment, we'd love your feedback. So don't hesitate to comment, like, or share this episode with others. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify if you'd like to find out when new episodes are released. You can also follow along as new episodes come out on the library's Twitter account, which is at UNOG Library, and over on Facebook at UN Library and Archives Geneva. That's all we have for today. Take good care and hope to have you back soon. Bye for now.